Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. This Christmas Eve, we are reminded that Christ's light shines in the deepest darkness. You're listening to When Half Spent Was the Night by Reverend Peter Yonker, but delivered by Reverend Mike Hogaboom. Tonight, I'm uh, grateful uh, for my good friend and great colleague, Peter Yonker, uh, because he was generous enough to share his meditation with me tonight. So, uh, thanks, Peter. <laughs> Sisters and brothers, loved by Jesus Christ, we like our Christmases well decorated. Christmas and decorations, they go together. Somewhere in the house, in your house, my house, there is, most of us have a large corner carved out of some storage room full of boxes that are full of Christmas decorations. Ornaments for the tree and a garland for the banister. Lights for the porch and, and candles for the fireplace mantle. A nutcracker on the hearth and a manger scene or crash, we all know now, on the piano. Decorations. When the season arrives, we pour out the hot chocolate, put on some Christmas music, make a fire in the fireplace, and we deck the halls. It's wonderful. Another example of our, our love for Christmas decorations is all around us tonight. This is a well-decorated Christmas service a 45-minute prelude, candles on the aisles and poinsettias filling the chancel, extra instruments and extra choral anthems and descants on our hymns. We pull all the stuff out of the boxes and make this service beautiful and memorable. We pull all the stops out of the organ and express the joy of Jesus coming to the world to save us. I love a well-decorated Christmas service as much as the next person, but it's worth noting that many of the Bible passages that we read at Christmas, the stories that we celebrate at this time of year, are not well-decorated. Often they are just the opposite of well-decorated. They are stripped down. At the start of these stories, there are no twinkling lights, no bells, no flutes. For example, Isaiah 11, which we read earlier, Israel is shattered. Their hopes have been cut down like a sawed-off stump, but somehow, out of that stump, this shoot of new life is growing. Micah 5, which we also read, a powerful army has laid siege to Israel. All of her hopes, Israel's hopes, have been surrounded and cut off. But in the middle of all that definite devastation, in Bethlehem of Judah, a woman will bear a son and everything changes. And then in the familiar 
story from Luke 2. A young couple forced by the emperor to travel to a town away from their home so they can be counted by the emperor. He, of course, is flexing his muscle and and counting up his power. The couple is forced to make this journey even though she is really, really pregnant. To make matters worse, once they arrive in their town, there is no place for them to uh, stay, and so they have to crash in in a stable. And wouldn't you know it, that is the very hour when her water breaks and she goes into labor. And just as she lays the baby down in the manger, she swears she can hear angels singing. These stories, these stories of Christmas, tell us of a hope that doesn't need decoration. It's a hope that is not surrounded by candles or poinsettias. These stories tell us of a hope that does not depend on uh, the power of positive thinking or on the excellence of our moods. The hope that we cling to, or maybe better yet, the hope that clings to us at Christmas, is that Christmas, the true hope of Christmas, shines brightest, not in a well-decorated room, but sometimes in the darkness. It blooms in the desert. It sings in the storm. It shines in the darkness. The true power of Christmas, the true hope of Christmas is not that it shines so much in a well-decorated room, but sometimes that shining, that singing, that blooming happens in a prison cell. During the Second World War, Hans Lillie, a bishop in the German Lutheran Church, a member of the Confessing Church, that's the same church that Dietrich Bonhoeffer also was part of. And like Bonhoeffer, Lillie was imprisoned by the Nazis because of his opposition. And he was in prison in the winter of 1944. The Germans were starting to lose ground in the war, and the Nazis were starting to execute many of their prisoners. The prison was a place of deep darkness, hopelessness. Fortunately, the commandant of the prison where Lillie was imprisoned was more humane than most. And so on Christmas Eve, while he was in his cell, thinking about the the meaning of Christmas night, there was a knock at his door. Summoned from his cell, and he was led through the prison, and as he was walking down the hall, a voice commanded, bring the prisoner to room 212. Lillier knew of that room. It was the room that housed a count who had been condemned to death. As Lillier was brought into that room and entered, the commandant 
had arranged for bread and wine to also be brought in, laid out so that Lilia could give Christian Christmas communion to the condemned man. Another prisoner, skilled at playing the violin, was also brought in. And while the violinist played a Christmas chorale, Lilia held a communion service. As the count prepared to receive communion, Lilia spoke these words. Tonight, as part of Christ's church, we hear word of divine promise. The light shines on us. Let us cling to that promise in the midst of the shadow of death and let us praise him for his love and grace. The count knelt on the stone floor as the bishop gave him the body and blood of Christ. Tears streamed down his face. The violinist, too, was weeping. The commandant wept as well. Later, Lillier wrote this. We were prisoners of the Gestapo in Berlin. But the peace of God was real, present, like a hand laid on us. Later, the commandant was relieved of his duties because he had been too lenient. The violinist was executed by the Gestapo just before the war ended, and the count was sent away to a concentration camp. The darkness kept getting deeper. But looking back on that Christmas communion service, Lillier wrote these words. I praise God from my whole heart that in this building, under the shadow of death, a Christian congregation had assembled to celebrate Christmas. It is possible for lights and candles to blind our eyes so that we cannot see the essential element of Christmas. But the people who have walked in darkness can see it better than those who have seen the lights of earth. That very same Christmas, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was also uh, in prison. And it would be his last Christmas on this earth. Just before Christmas, Bonhoeffer wrote a letter to his parents which included these words. From the Christian point of view, there is no special problem about Christmas in a prison cell. For many people in this prison, it will probably be the most sincere and genuine occasion than in places where nothing but the name is kept. He continues, that God will approach where men turn away, that Christ was born in a stable because there was no room for him in the inn, these are the things that a prisoner can understand better than most people. For him, they are really glad tidings. 
And that faith gives him a part in the communion of the saints, a Christian fellowship breaking the bounds of time and space and reducing the months of confinement here to insignificance. He ends with this, no doubt. It will be a very quiet Christmas, but it may perhaps bring home to some people for the first time what Christmas really is. People, I proclaim to you good news of great joy. Your Savior has come to you. God himself has come in the flesh. And while he loves our celebration, the candles, the carols, the descants, the decorations, but he has not come for these things. He comes in the bleak midwinter when half spent was the night. He comes to you. He comes to me so that he can go down all the way to the darkest, the most fear-filled, the most messy part of your life. He's going there so that he can plant a seed of hope that cannot be removed even by death. So friends, come, let us adore him. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.